This is the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And now, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. Hello, welcome to the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you chose to either view this on YouTube or listen to this on uh, iTunes or Spotify. Uh, We always want to encourage you to let us know what you think about the podcast. You can write me uh, via email at fredjeffsmith at cox.net. Fred Jeff Smith at Cox.net. And you can tell us how we're doing and what we can do to make uh, the podcast better for you. I'm very happy today to welcome Ms. Tawana P. Harris, who is the head of the Butterfly Society. And she's here to speak specifically about domestic violence as October is Domestic Violence Month. Ms. Harris, we want to thank you for taking the time to come and share with us today. Tell us about the Butterfly Society. Thank you so much for having me, Pastor Smith. It's an honor and it's a privilege to be here with you. Anytime God provides the space and the opportunity to go and speak to his people about the crisis that we're faced with in our community, we're honored to do so. So the Butterfly Society, we're in our fifth year. It's our fifth year anniversary. God gave me the vision for this organization five years ago. Yes, ma'am. Being a survivor of domestic abuse, I felt compelled to do something about this this ugliness, this meanness, this mean-spiritness that has come into our community and stolen the lives of so many women and men. Um, I was a college student at the time when this happened. The Butterfly Society is a grassroots organization. We believe in meeting people where they are Mm -hmm. because where they are is where they're hurting. Right. Uh, We're not the ordinary organization, when I say we believe in meeting people where they are, that means in the trenches. If it takes us to a barbershop on a Friday afternoon or Friday evening having a conversation about domestic violence with men, that's out of the ordinary. Uh, We're in the middle schools having conversation with our young people about what a healthy relationship looks like compared to an unhealthy relationship. You know, Pastor Smith, what we're faced with here in the city of Baton Rouge and at a state level. We're in crisis mode right now. Too many women and men are losing their lives at the hands of their wives, husbands, ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends. And it's going to take a community. It's going to take a village. It's going to take society to wrap their arms around this cause and stand united in doing something about it. We don't have a shelter. But that's long-term, that's not now. You know, we move when God say move, and our steps are being ordered by him. So mm-hmm. we don't wanna go before him, whatever mm-hmm. he has plans for this organization. So we provide many services and resources to women and men. We turn no one away. If we're unable to help you, we will refer you to someone. But here lately these past couple of weeks you've seen what has been happening in the city of baton rouge and in surrounding areas right how this as a matter of fact a young lady lost her life the other day in watson yes Yes. and then the week prior to that there was another young lady who lost her life in livingston parish and then we had the attorney general chief of staff to resign the same week because of a domestic violence situation so no one is exempt. Mm-hmm. It happens across the board. It doesn't matter about race, color, sex, 
economic background, educational background. It's happening around and, and it's closer to us than you know. Well, let's talk about that for a second because uh, I'm curious as to if you know the breakdown of domestic violence incidents uh, by race. Is it more prevalent in the African-American community or in the Caucasian community? Uh, is it more prevalent in, I, I, I saw a statistic that says that Baton Rouge, I'm sorry, Louisiana ranks second in the nation to domestic violence deaths. Is this an urban issue? Is this a rural issue? Uh, how do the numbers break down? I'm, I'm particularly concerned about the racial aspect of it uh, because primarily we serve African-American people. So is there a rise in domestic violence uh, among African-Americans? Is it uh, a kind of a settled thing? Is it going down? Hopefully that would be the case. What, what, what does the data show? The data show, and as a matter of fact, I have some information in front of me about women of color, African-American women. It's, it states that black women experience domestic violence at a rate of 50, at 30 to 50 percent higher than white women do. And what would you attribute that to? Um, it says that um, a lot of the reason is because financial insecurity. Economics. Economics. Okay. Economics. That, that, that's what I was getting toward. Because some people will take that statistic and say that African Americans are just inherently more violent than other people, which right. is of not course. the case. Right. But if you are poor, uh, and you are struggling in Correct. your own personal economy, uh, if you lack adequate employment and, and you have no prospects for seeing your economy improve, Correct. Uh, then the stress of finances uh, is is Adds a is a leading indicator or a leading cause to domestic violence. Yes, it is one. Um, <clears throat> In the state of Louisiana, since you brought up the state of Louisiana mm -hmm. being ranked second in the nation, there was 50-plus domestic violence-related homicides in the state of Louisiana. Yes, ma'am. I would go on a limb and say half of that was black females that were taking—their lives were taken from them by the hands of their, their intimate partner. Now, financial insecurities has a lot to do with it, mm -hmm. but also what we have come to discover— and Pastor Smith, let me say this. Domestic violence has always been part of our culture. Let's be real about it. Mm -hmm. Since we're going to have this unscripted sure. conversation. Uh, I remember growing up as a little girl at the age of 10, 12, uh, we would often um, go and visit my aunt who would babysit us from time to time for my mom. And her husband would beat her unmercifully. Mm -hmm. And I was 10, 12. I didn't know what it was called. I just knew that it was wrong. And I those images are still with me at the age of 49. Yes, ma'am. I remember him beating her in the head with a gun where she came out the room and blood just pouring down her face. And looking at my sister and saying, this is not right. Something's mm -hmm. wrong with this. And she she's crying out for help. But back in the day, when those types of situations took place, they were spoke of only within your four walls mm -hmm. and around your kitchen table. Mm -hmm. They were never spoken outside of that mm -hmm. because the old saying goes, whatever happens in my house stays in my house. Right. 
it's our own personal business. Nobody else needs to know about it. So she left my uncle many a times. She graduated from high school. She was a homemaker. She had no job, no uh, skill training. So every time she left, she went back. Statistics states that a victim will leave anywhere from one to seven times before they're gone. And the main cause of coming back was there was no financial, financial insecurity. Financial insecurity. Couldn't take care of themselves. Couldn't take care of themselves. She had seven children and herself. And she went back. He was the breadwinner. He was the provider. And uh, she felt that she couldn't sustain that way mm -hmm. of living for them. So she went back. And many times folks will say, why does she return? What's wrong with her? There are so many reasons that we as society don't take the time out to find out why someone goes back. Mm -hmm. Financial insecurity, retali fear, retaliation, not having a support system, not having a, sef a safety net there to catch you when you fall, mm -hmm. um, religious beliefs. Because that's a, that's another way, that's another form of abuse as well. Well, let's talk about that. Yes. What, what do you mean by religious beliefs? Um, that divorce is a sin, sin and, and yeah, you need to stay with the word of God, yeah, tell dead do your part, yeah. and you're wrong for leaving. How dare you leave? So if somebody like, is beating the crap out of me, I'm supposed to stay because I made a vow that said, till death do us part? Correct. I, we've heard it. We hear it all the time. And... An, uh, an initiative that we've tried to move forward with the faith-based community is to go in and have conversation with these pastors mm -hmm. and find out what do you have in place if a victim was to come to you and say to you this is happening to her or him, how would you handle it? What would you tell them? The good book says, tell dead do you part. He's going upside your head every day. When you leave church and go home, he's going upside your head. Mm -hmm. and she's going upside your head. And you're telling them to remain? Really? You need to get you some, some training. Yes. You need to understand the dynamics of this all and how this works. Because as we have lost so many lives. Uh, we just had an event on Monday called Walk a Mile in Their Shoes, A Night of Remembrance. Mm -hmm. And we read all the names of those who's lost their lives, state level and local level. And I say to a pastor quite often, there is someone sitting in your pews on Sunday mornings, Wednesday night for Bible study, right. who is in need and going through it, but are, are afraid to come to you and tell you because they will be ill-advised. Mm -hmm. And my suggestion to you if, you, if you can't advise in a manner that they need to be, and you advising her to remain where she is, you need to direct her somewhere else because okay. you're not. Then, then let's do a little role play. Okay. I'm being abused, mm -hmm. and I'm coming to you as my pastor, mm -hmm. and I'm sharing with you that I have been a victim of domestic abuse, okay. physical abuse, emotional abuse, mental. mental abuse. Uh, and I'm asking you, Pastor, what should I do? What is your response to that? Um, the response would be, well, what have you done to cause this? And your response to me would be, well, what do you mean, what have I done to cause this? Okay, that's not the question I'm asking you. I'm asking you what should the, re not 
not oh, where okay. we fall short. Short, okay, okay. Because I recognize the fact that we do fall right. short. Right, okay, okay. I'm asking you, what should the, the response, response be? be? Okay, okay, yes, I missed ma'am. that part. The response should be, well, let me, let me ask you this. How long has it been going on? And... You, how how what type of abuse and you lay out the abuse well this is what i can do for you i can direct you to an organization that we're very familiar with mm-hmm. the butterfly society mm-hmm. they're housed here in baton rouge mm-hmm. i can give you their contact number or i can call them for you mm-hmm. contact them for you schedule a meeting face to face it could happen here at the church i'm here to support you i have your back and we will go through this together okay because i am not in a position to advise you in which way to go and how to handle the situation. If this person is in need of a shelter, I heard you say earlier that the Butterfly Society does not presently have a shelter, shelter but I'm sure that you have contacts with I organizations do. that do have shelters. Right. What, what? What's the status of shelters in Baton Rouge? Are do we have enough? Do we need more? What? What? what where are we where that's concerned? They're right. making a whole lot of of of. Uh, noise about uh, the Bridge Center for mental health right. issues, uh, which turns out to be 30 beds for a city of 400,000 people or general Correct. area of 400,000 people. So 30 beds measured against 400,000 people is not a whole lot. It's better than nothing. Right. I, I'm not saying that it's a bad idea. I'm just saying that it's just barely scratching the surface. When it comes to safe places for women and their children uh, to escape domestic violence. What's the number? Where, where, where do we stand with regard to shelters? There's two shelters here in the city of Baton Rouge. There's St. Agnes uh, Shelter for Women and Children, and then there's Iris Domestic Violence Center Shelter. I'm sorry. And how many beds are we talking about? Iris usually has about, have give or take 25 to 30 beds. Okay. And it services seven parishes. That one shelter service seven parishes. 25 beds. For seven parishes. Yes. And and, and what does St. Agnes St. Agnes offers about the same thing, but they service just the city of Baton Rouge area. Two shelters. So there are 50 beds total, yeah, total. for domestic violence, and these shelters do provide for the children as well? As well, well yes. So, so if, if I come with two kids... Uh, now, there's an age limit for okay. young, for boys. And what's the if age you're over 12, they don't allow you into the shelter. So what happens to those boys? They house them in a hotel for a couple of weeks until they can find them an apartment or a house for residency. Let me say this to you, Pastor. Yes, please. When it comes to domestic violence, funding, money, shelter, we are at a lack. Now, Mayor Sharon Restenbroom, her Women Advancement Committee has taken up, has taken up the initiative to look into transitional housing. Mm-hmm. The YWCA has uh, broke ground for an apartment complex, a duplex. They will have, I think, eight or nine um, apartments up and coming by next year for women and children. The mayor. It, it, the mayor is determined to get more traditional housing in place for women and children mm-hmm. when it comes to domestic violence because that's the lack. That's the void that's being missing. And many times these victims have to be put up in a hotel 
for a week or two until a bed comes available mm -hmm. or there's a, a, a place of living that's been uh, been located for them. But it's, there's, it's never enough. Does the Butterfly Society help with legal issues because yes. beyond having a safe space which is probably primary right. there are legal issues yes. involved yes child custody uh going through the process of getting uh, a restraining, uh, a restraining order, order a protective and, order yeah uh, things of that sort yes we are our board president, board president, current board president is attorney Marsha Burton, who is the law professor at the Southern University. And Southern University Law Center has a DV clinic. Okay. And they assist with all those areas that you just named, and we're partnering with them. Good. So anytime there's a need for legal advice, legal counseling, we direct them in that direction. Okay. Yes, we do. Okay. Um, when it comes to uh, having... Uh, I'm going back to the clergy aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't speak for every denomination, but when it comes to Baptist churches, we have several uh, uh, clergy people who are not theologically trained okay. uh, and are not trained in counseling. Uh, there's no requirement within the Baptist denomination that our pastors go to seminary specifically for this kind of training. Uh, do you think that the church could play a better role if there was more training that took place within the clergy? Yes, I agree 100% what you just said. But the thing is, are you willing to do that? Are you willing, not you per se, but right. is the faith-based community willing right. to open themselves up and allow this to happen? Mm -hmm. Because this is what we have discovered. Not you, Pastor. We have gone in and had many conversations with local pastors mm -hmm. and are not invited back. And what we've discovered from not being invited back, we probably have stepped on some toes. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that some of these pastors, and I'm not saying, I'm not calling nobody's name, have been abusers themselves. Mm -hmm. or. Either is their head deacon who's an abuser, mm -hmm. or one of their big, biggest paid type contributors. Yeah. Yes, probably are male, female, whomever, and they're not willing to step out there and bring that into the church house. And then you've stepped on some toes mm -hmm. and caused some folks to want to walk away from the church. So instead, you just don't address it. You avoid it. Because at that, mo at that point, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say to yourself, I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. Am I willing to risk that? Am mm -hmm. I willing to put myself out there like that? So if I'm hearing you correctly, and, and, and I want to... I like telling it like it I is, Pastor, sure when it comes to domestic violence. What you're saying is that the, the church has shown itself to be less than willing to step up and be a full partner in the issue of domestic violence within the Baton Rouge community. Correct. And that's a shame. Correct. It's, it, it, it's a crying shame. Uh, you have to call it for what it is. Yes, you do. And that's why I wanted to say it again. Mm -hmm. I yes. wanted to make sure that, that it was clearly stated yes. and, and understood. Yes. Uh, I don't see how we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and preach compassion and preach love and preach 
patience uh, and preach tolerance and preach security and not be willing to step up and address uh, the issue of domestic violence in a in a more uh, assertive way than we currently are doing so uh, is there any effort being made to formalize a relationship with churches so that there can be an ongoing dialogue uh, between domestic violence servants such as yourself and the church uh, a as a means of trying to uh, curb this problem that exists within our community? The attempt has been made uh, on many occasions and we haven't gotten there yet. I'm going to say it like that. Now, we have a handful of churches who invite us to come out every year in the month of October mm -hmm. and speak to the congregation. They support us financially, and mm -hmm. we thank God for those who are open to having the discussion mm -hmm. and what we can do as far as a partnership together. We have that. But there's too many churches around here sure. that we can't even get into. Sure because they don't want to have the conversation. Now, let, 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 let's make it even more direct. Okay. Let's talk about black churches. Oh. Uh, uh, because, because when I hear you say that you're invited in the month of October, my guess is those are primarily, predominantly white congregations. No, these are black churches. Are black churches. Yes. Okay. Black churches have invited us in. Strong supporters. And black churches have underwritten some of your finances. Yes. That's yes. good. Yes, that is good. That's very good. And we appreciate those, but there's so many more out yes, there they are. we can be in. But, and I know that everything has a time, a place, and a season. But the season is now. The season is now. Absolutely. Let's let, 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 let's turn the page and, okay. and talk a little bit about the other side. We've talked primarily about women who have been victims of domestic yes. violence, yes. but men are victims of oh, domestic violence. Oh, very much so, Pastor. Also. Very much uh, so. And yet, there is also a reluctance oh, yeah. among men to speak up and yes. acknowledge the fact that they are being victimized. Very much uh, so. Uh, by violence within their home. Very much so. Um, one in four men will experience some type of intimate partner violence in their One lifetime. One in four. One in four men, yes. And that's alarming. Yes. And they are reluctant because of being embarrassed yeah. about it, looked upon in a different a different way. Weak, uh, soft. Soft, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've had several men to contact us. But it's never a face-to-face -face meeting. It's always by phone. Mm -hmm. And I understand that and respect that. Who are mentally, verbally, and emotionally abused mm -hmm. and have been married for long periods of time, have left and gone back. Because I had one gentleman to say to me, that was a, that's, that's being weak to walk out on your family. Mm -hmm. You know, I was taught that I'm the provider mm -hmm. and I have to stay and take care of my family and no one else should have to do that. I said, well, it's your kids. What, how old are your children? I'm thinking his children are, are of um, little kids, little children. He said, no, they're adults. I said, so you've raised your family. You've provided for them. So why remain, he said, because I take my vows to heart. It's till death do you part. And, and he cried, Pastor, on the phone. 
while saying that. Mm -hmm. And I said, sir, I respect where you are, but I said, it's not, it's not fair to you. I said, it's one thing if you haven't done what you were supposed to do as a, as a man, mm -hmm. but you've done all of that. Mm -hmm. And I said, now, what about your life? What about you finding who you truly are? And I said, God doesn't want you to continue being where you are in a place of unhappiness, hurt, brokenness. I said, it's about love. He said, I understand all that. He said, but I'm older now. I have no more life. I've lived my life. And he said, just thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And he hung up. I haven't heard back from him. And that's just one phone call. Mm -hmm. And it broke my heart. Yeah. But it happens often. It happens every day, all day. But men will not just come up and open their lives up like a book and let you in to know that they're going through this. Are there peer groups available for uh, any kind of uh, counseling for men? Uh, by peer for victims of domestic violence, oh, yes. male or female? Yes, um, uh, something similar to alcoholics and alcoholics. Yes, there's many. There's many. Uh, Family Services of Greater Baton Rouge has a counseling, has counselors on hand. Also has a support group. Uh, Iris Domestic Violence Center has counseling and support group. Um, the district attorney office, district attorney Hiller Moore's office has counseling and support group as well. And we're working on getting a support group together as well. Now, let's talk about, you mentioned the district attorney's office. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I have found to be true when people come and they share that they're being victimized by their spouse mm -hmm. or significant other domestically. Uh, and you suggest that they go to law enforcement. Well, Rev, I don't want them to go to jail. That's you know, always I, the case. I, I just want them to stop hitting me, but, but, but I don't want them to go to jail. And so they're reluctant to follow uh, the legal uh, pathway Correct. To, to try to remedy the situation. Uh, they're fearful, and, and, and quite frankly, I, I, I understand their fear that a restraining order will only exacerbate the situation because police officers are not going to be around uh, all the time. Correct. Uh, and so at 2 o'clock in the morning, you have a piece of paper that says they're supposed to stay a 1,000 yards away, but there's nobody there to enforce that. And so they're very fearful from that standpoint as well. I'm not asking you to solve the whole problem because clearly it's it's a problem that can't be solved that easily. But what approaches can uh, we make mm -hmm. as a community to help resolve some of these fears that keep people from seeking the assistance that they need, why they won't go to law enforcement, why they won't pursue a legal course of action, uh, the, the, the family uh, mores that tell them that you keep this to yourself, you don't share this with them. How do we begin to break those things down? Um, personally, I think what has to happen is having a conversation. Let's start with having a conversation, mm -hmm. like you and I are doing now. Um, what we have discovered as an organization is through conversation, you're educating. And your audience is being educated right now as we speak. Mm -hmm. So it's providing those safe spaces where they can come 
and sit and be educated. Because many times as a victim, I had the survivor say this to me before. She said, I didn't run to domestic violence. I woke up in it. Mm-hmm. And you don't see it coming. Mm-hmm. So when a victim is faced with it, and you're also faced with what is my next step? What is my next move? Do I call the police? And if I call the police, I risk him being arrested. He's the provider. He works. He provides financially for me. I'm a stay-home mom. We have three kids. He goes right. to jail. What happened? Right. Okay? So that's one concern. The next concern is where do I go? My family has turned their backs on me because I've left many times and gone back. So I don't have that support system. Mm-hmm. My church family says to me, you stay till dead do you part. So when you take all those dynamics into place, you say to yourself as a faith-based community, as a community, I have to educate myself about mm-hmm. this. I have to position myself to change my way of thinking to I'm available for you, I'm here for you. If it's having a resource center at your church, having a list of all agencies at your fingertips. So Mm -hmm. when you get that phone call, you know where to direct them. Or you yourself have a personal relationship with each one of those agencies Mm -hmm. where you can get on the phone and say, look, I have one of my church members who is in need. I need to direct them to you. It's all about building those relationships Mm -hmm. and also letting those victims know that you're not alone. We stand with you. We support you. And we have you back. Even if you have to shout that from the pulpit Mm -hmm. from time to time, just hearing those words can change an entire situation. And when it comes to law enforcement, Chief Murphy Paul and um, his team have done a great job. He has come in and listened to what a victim goes through when encountering a mm-hmm. police officer. Because sometimes that's not always the best. Um, sometimes it doesn't always work out the best way when you first, the first, the first person a victim usually encounter when calling the police is the police. So you have to know what to say. You gotta have that compassion there. You gotta know how to handle the situation before getting there. And so he's initiated training programs yes, for his officers. Yes, training pro, uh, program to to not be desensitized, but to be sensitive to the matter. Right. And that will take will take a victim a long way mm-hmm. because many times victims again are afraid of calling the police mm-hmm. because especially if they're African American with the relationship between black men and police. No, victims find themselves as the protector. They often put themselves in that position. Right. I, I will protect my abuser if that's what I have to right. do. But never protecting themselves. Yes. And I've been there. I know what it's like. Um, blaming yourself many times for what has happened. I caused that. Caused this. I'm the cause of it. If happening. I hadn't disrespected him, then he wouldn't have hit me in the first exactly. place. Exactly. Or if I hadn't worn that short skirt, tight skirt, it wouldn't have happened. Or if I hadn't acknowledged this friend of mine, male friend of mine, mm-hmm. that wouldn't have happened. So you find yourself justifying why mm-hmm. they do what they do, but I have to protect him at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
but never, never turning that energy onto yourself, shielding yourself, protecting yourself. And as black women, we, we carry that burden of protecting our black man. We carry that. It's in our DNA. We've been taught that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I tell folks all the time, Pastor Smith, that before you judge, because nine out of ten times you're on the outside looking in anyway, open the book. Don't read the cover, but go on the inside right. and begin reading the story. Right. Because there's more to it than what the eyes can see. Right. Um, black women are dying at a very large rate, high rate in it states that in here. And there isn't an outcry. That disturbs me. Because that black woman could be your daughter, your sister, your niece, your, your best friends, your mother, yeah. and there isn't an outcry about it. Yeah. And let me tell you, domestic abuse sees no color, like I said earlier. Mm-hmm. It affects white women as well as any other race of women. But I know without a shadow of a doubt, black women are dying. Yeah, and the stereotype is, yes, it affects all people, but people of different races have better access and more access to remedies than people of color. Yes. Is that true? It is true. And how do we change that? We change it by everyone getting involved, from the faith-based community to the business community to individually getting involved, we can turn this thing around. And let me tell you what's the going line whenever you speak to a victim. Because our client base are usually women who work minimum wage jobs and they're in poverty. Right. And this is what they'll say to you. I have three kids. I work at McDonald's. To find a decent place of living for me and my kids will hit me $900 a month. Mm-hmm. That's your entire check gone. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all of it gone. Minimum wage, $900. That means you have no money to buy food, clothing, the necessities that's needed. You have none of that. Right. So guess what happens? They remain where they, they stay. are. Yeah. You mentioned business. Perhaps the three largest business uh, entities in our greater Baton Rouge area is Baton Rouge Area Foundation, Baton Rouge Area Chamber, and the Louisiana Association of Business and Industry. Do these groups uh, play any role in helping to remedy uh, domestic violence? Uh, uh, is it high on their agenda? I'm asking simply because I do not know. I'm, I, um, I but, know but, that but they have a lot of resources at their disposal. Yes. And and so I'm I'm just curious, is it high on their agenda? I can't say it's not and I can't say it is. Because I know the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, they give out funding to nonprofits. I don't know if it's targeted for specifically domestic violence. Mm-hmm. We haven't tapped into those areas, but we have plans to tap into those areas. It's on our radar. Good. Because the money is in those in those communities that you just named. Right. And 
is for a great cause. I find it interesting here of late in the last couple of weeks, uh, the Baton Rouge Area Chamber has brought together the downtown business community to talk about the problems of panhandlers and the homeless uh, being overly aggressive in seeking uh, uh, money from people and they fear that they're running their business away and they want to meet with the mayor and with the sheriff and with the chief of police to talk about what government can do to move panhandlers right. along but nobody wants to talk about domestic violence so you're telling me that moving the homeless down the street so that they no longer uh, cause a problem with uh, your uh, constituents, with your customers, is more important than dealing with people uh, who are faced with domestic violence on a regular basis. That's unfortunate. It's happening. And, and, and it suggests that their priorities are not in order. Now, I would be honored to go and have that conversation with those entities you just mentioned. And again, I can't stress to you enough, our Mayor Sharon Wessenbroom is doing all she can. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm stepping up to the, to the point you made about business. These are the business leaders of our community. community. BRAF, BRAC, and LABI are the business leaders of our community. And there are multiple millions of dollars, dollars. at their disposal. Uh, and, 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 and people say, well, you can't throw money and everything. Money fixes a whole lot of problems yes. if you know how to use it. Yes. And if you know how to target it. That's right. Uh, and, and, and so I would hope that they would have as big a heart, as big a concern about domestic violence as they seem to have about panhandlers in the downtown area. And we can definitely make that happen. We can, we're open to working and partnering with anyone. Because I'm going to tell you this. Lafouche Parish, Sheriff Weber, they have the perfect model. They have a wraparound service, and they have a buy-in from everyone in Lafouche. Everyone in the city of Lafouche has bought into what they are selling. It's called the—it's uh, a one-stop shop. It has wraparound services. And they are doing such a phenomenal job with this piece. When President Obama was president and Eric Holder was the attorney general, he summons them to D.C. They were awarded for an outstanding job for doing what they do with their program there. They, when it comes to domestic violence, mm -hmm. when it comes to elderly protection, they have it going on there. So Restraint. why have we done a better job as a community in trying to replicate that model here in East Baton Rouge Parish or in West Baton Rouge Parish or in Ascension Parish or in Livingston Parish, in the greater Baton Rouge area? You, you go to these meetings and you hear them always talk about, well, we have this model from Nashville or we have this model from Austin. We don't need to recreate the wheel. We just need to take this model and make it work. This whole St. George foolishness, they're, they're, they're using the central model on how they're going to break away and form their independent city. Well, if, if Lafouche is a model, why aren't we paying attention to that model? I think what's ha what is going to work 
I may I think they may look at it and say that what is happening in Lafourche, what works in Lafourche doesn't necessarily work here for Baton Rouge. But I know Attorney Hillamore um, is creating a family justice center that's up and coming. Um, I think we're going to see some changes within the dynamics that's been before us. I think we're going to get to a place to where we're going to see where there's a shift. And there's some things that's being talked about. So it's going to happen, Pastor Smith. It will. It will happen. Do you have kids? I have a 14-year-old son. Do you want your son to live in Baton Rouge? I do. When he grows up? I do. Is Baton Rouge a place where you think he can thrive, thrive and, and succeed? That's what my hopes and prayers are. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I want to do my part to make certain that happens. I, I, I often have young people sitting across the table. I'm not suggesting that you're not young, but I'm talking about 20-year-olds, yeah. 25-year-olds. Right. And I'm just curious as to whether or not... Uh, even even those who are native of Baton Rouge, whether mm-hmm. or not they plan to stay here, or whether they feel like Baton Rouge is too conservative, is too primitive, is too limited uh, for them to achieve uh, the things that they aspire to achieve. And Correct. so I'm just curious, obviously you've decided to make Baton Rouge your home. What about your kid? Well, that's what our plans are. He's gonna attend the Southern University. You heard that D. I heard. Whenever you heard me. Yes. And I would love to keep him here in Baton Rouge. Does he want to stay here? Have, have, yeah. Have you had that discussion? We've had that discussion. He said, Mom, this is where I want to be. I want to be here with you. So we have to do what it takes to keep our children here and not lose them to other states who are providing better opportunities or better options for them. But it sounds like it's not, it doesn't sound like for you that. Oh, I love Ben Rouge. And I have a 24 year old and I have a 22 year old. And I I would love for them to be able to do the things that they want to do here. Correct. I can tell you one doesn't want to leave and one can't wait to leave. To get away. Uh, uh, but I just want the community to be such that should they decide to stay, right. they feel like they can achieve their goals here. So let me ask you this, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm wrapping this up. Okay. You said your son is 14. Mm-hmm. 15 years from now, with regard to where Baton Rouge is uh, in its response to domestic violence, uh, when he's 29, what is it that you would like to see from this community uh, with regard to domestic violence that we currently are not doing that's how many years 15 years 15 years from now i would love to see more shelters that there's a shelter there's 10 shelters here in the city of baton rouge the state of louisiana the legislator whoever the governor is sitting in the in the mansion that funding will not be cut that more funding will go towards DV programs, DV shelters, DV resources, and that that as a community we've bought into it, that as a community we're on board and we're invested in this cause, 
that is talked about in our middle school and high schools, that there's a curriculum wrapped around it, that on our college campuses that young women are free to walk and go and do as they please and not have to fear of being harassed or uh, physically assaulted or sexually assaulted. Young women and men, I might add, that on college campuses that there is a, a group of young people who have decided to take a stand against sexual violence and domestic violence, and they're advocates of it, and that they do legislation time, they're at the Capitol um, speaking before the Senate and the House about the importance of domestic violence laws, that everyone have bought into this, that the city of Baton Rouge new slogan or, or motto is, no longer on our watch will we allow domestic violence to take house in our communities. That's what my, my vision is. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to come and share with us today. Thank you for having me. Blessings upon you. Oh, that you continue thank you so much, Pastor right. Smith. And if Shiloh, I can't speak for everybody, but if Shiloh can do something, just let us know. And we'll, we'll, we want to do more than what we are currently doing in this area. Thank you so much, Pastor Smith. It's a blessing to be with you and your team. I uh, feel at home. I enjoyed the conversation. Please call us anytime. We would love to be here with you. And I want to give out our, our information, Please. if you don't mind. Yes. Yes. Please visit our website, thebutterflysociety.org. Our contact number is 225-347-7725. Say that again. 225-347-7725. We provide temporary lodging, rental assistant, utility deposit, rental deposit, clothing, food, bus passes, plane tickets, gas cards, gift cards, anything you could possibly need. Excellent. But again, thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next time.